Hi, you're listening to the Indie Bookshelf podcast with me, Holly, and me, Amy, as we champion the indie book industry, from independent authors and publishers to independent bookshops. We have a range of literary discussions and book recommendations to indulge your love for all things bookish. In today's episode, we discuss an award-winning young adult fantasy novel by Emily Schneider. Yep, we'll be chatting about the self-published book Scales of Ash and Smoke. So make yourselves comfortable and let's dive right in. I'm going to introduce the book, I think. <laughs> so you go for it. <laughs> the title of the book is Scales of Ash and Smoke. Uh, you can tell immediately from that that it's going to be a YA fantasy. Uh, the author is Emily Schneider. And I don't actually have the book with me in physical because I read an ebook on my phone. But cover is gorgeous. It's um, a dark cover um, with some fiery symbols and a dragon circle in the middle. So every every bit of it screams fantasy genre. I'm not gonna lie, one of the reasons I really wanted to read this book was simply because the cover was so beautiful. <laughs> and when you've seen that cover many, many times um, on Instagram, it, the, the advertising works. It, it made mm. me want to buy it. <laughs> Um, yes I mean that's the whole purpose of covers judge a book by them yeah <laughs> that that needs to be a po podcast episode right there <laughs> honestly um would you like to summarize the plot for us oh I would love to summarize the plot for you you know it's always really um nerve-wracking summarizing a plot I'm not entirely sure why I feel like there's a skill to doing this there really I don't is. feel like I've developed said a skill yet but I will do my best um I have the blurb in front of me, which is going to help with this. So the plot follows a young human called Kaida. Um, at least I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, spelt K-A-I-D-A. -A. I'm going to call her Kaida from now on. Um, she is, or thinks she is a human. And then there's a very interesting plot twist near the beginning of the book where she discovers that she is not, in fact, fully human she is in fact something called a mutator formarum which means she's a shapeshifter so she spent most of her life or all of her life up till now in a human form um enslaved to the dragons and then she discovers she's actually a shapeshifter and can shift between human and dragon forms um so she starts so starts off um in the book as lowest of the low bottom of the pecking order effectively a slave um, to all intents and purposes, to a dragon master. And then one day her life is turned upside down when, by no means least, the, the prince of the dragons comes and whisks her away and informs her that she has been decided as his future wife or mate, um, which she is not very happy about because she hates the dragons because she's a human. Um, however, they then discover that there is a plot, um, there's a conspiracy going on behind the scenes to rid the land of the current royal family. And Kaida finds that her loyalties begin to become torn from hating the dragons, from wanting out of this strange arranged marriage that she's been forced into, to actually discovering that the uh, dragons on the throne are under threat and that um, she doesn't know what to do about it. So that is... I think, uh, a fairly good summary of the, the premise. Is that fair? I think so, yeah. That's... I don't want to give too many plot spoilers. <laughs> My experience of it, yeah. 
you actually picked, mm, sorry. Oh yeah, there you go for it. You actually uh, picked this book for us to read. So I'd love you for you to go into some detail as to why you picked it. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. So this book was um, something I've been looking at for a while. Um, I follow the author, Emily Schneider on Instagram. And um, Emily creates beautiful reels all about writing life, author life, um, editing life, which resonates right now. <laughs> and she um, always has these beautiful covers up of her trilogy that she's written. And she, I discovered through looking at that that she had won the 2021 Best Indie Book Awards Fantasy Winner. And so immediately I was kind of intrigued to find, you know, the self-published author in the fantasy genre, which is what I'm interested in. She's won this amazing, very prestigious award. And so um, I really wanted an excuse to buy it. And uh, this podcast gave me exactly that, re <laughs> that excuse <laughs> to read it and have a look. Um, and just wanting to also support other sort of self-published authors, indie authors. Um, I think it's really inspiring that, Emily has, you know, launched her writing career, is now on her fourth book, um, and has, you know, won awards from it. I think that's a really heartwarming and uplifting story for other aspiring writers like myself. Um, so, yeah, that was all part of it as well. Yeah, I think Instagram's a really powerful tool for getting, getting your book out there. And the more you see covers that are just so well made, the more likely you are to buy them. Mm. I think as well, like it's it's common knowledge that books sell through word of mouth. Um, mm. And when you get a recommendation from somebody, um, you you then want to, are more likely to go and give that book a chance. And I think that um, social media is a very powerful way of spreading word of mouth effectively about books and people enjoying them and reading them and um, giving their recommendations and reviews. So I've got a couple of, re of reviews here. I'll just read out. Um, so one of them is by Rachel Shard, Shade. She's the author of the Cursed Empire series, and she writes that this book is swoony sweet romanticy meets elemental magic and an epic world of dragons in this unique story. And another uh, quote from another author, um, Natalia Macias Lucia, she's the author of Girls of Salt and Sea, says, this is the perfect series for fans of fantastical worlds, sweet romance and magic. Schneider serves up a refreshingly unique take on dragons, a gripping love story that transcends deep-rooted enmity and the palpable sense of hope that persists despite looming war, a tale not only worth reading, but celebrating. Nice. Great. So I'll take over speaking for now, because you've done a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, you no, I ask you, you tell me your thoughts. <laughs> what were your favourite aspects of this book? Yes, my favourite aspects. I thought it was a really creative take on dragons. Um, we see a lot of dragons. Um, am I allowed to give a bit of uh, working, a dragon outlaw spoiler here? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Great. Um, it's not often that we see shape-shifting well, shape in general um, and shape-shifting dragons. So dragon outlaw has an example of dragons that can take two forms. And it was really interesting to see another author's take on, on that concept. Um, and I it like- It might just be worth 
do you want to just quickly explain what Dragon Outlaw is to listeners who might not have come across it yet? Yes, I do. Dragon Outlaw is the book we're publishing in September. Is it September? In autumn. In autumn. <laughs> I think I think autumn we're going to go with. <laughs> the book that we're publishing in autumn. Uh, working title is Dragon Outlaw because we need to call it something. <laughs> Stay tuned for a title reveal, though. Um, <laughs> yes. Written by Holly. We're publishing it in autumn. And one of the features of it is uh, dragon shape-shifting. So it was interesting to have that point of comparison in my head when reading this. And I also thought that um, Emily's, Emily Schneider's um, magical, like the the world building of magic was really strong. Um, and I liked seeing the attention to detail in how how the magic works and who experiences it and when and, and what degree of control and effort it takes. Um, one of my least favorite kind of tropes in fantasy is magic that seem seemingly has no source. Um, whenever people ask me what my superpower would be, I never say flying because you'd get very tired. And then I get people rolling their eyes at me because no one wants to hear that. Um, so, so the the magic system was really cool. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree. I think it it was really refreshing to see a magical world where actually magic takes a lot of effort rather than being this sort of innate ability where you've got the person, the main character seems to be like just the best at magic. Yes. And that's almost what gets them into trouble. Whereas here we've got a main character who's struggling to access her magical abilities. It seems and... it seems in, in many other books that magic takes no effort unless t- the magic taking effort creates a high tension scene and looks very dramatic um looking at you film versions of harry potter <laughs> <laughs> moving swiftly on <laughs> yeah when when magic is perfectly easy and comes completely fluidly unless you want a character to have a nosebleed for an interesting scene that that bothers me, but this this had like that degree of of how magic works at its core throughout. Mm. No, those are really good points, actually. And funnily enough, I, I completely agree. They weren't things that sprang to mind when I was thinking about what my favorite aspects of this book were. Um I think one thing for me that I felt Emily did really well was she writes from a dual point of view. Dual point of view basically means that each of the chapters uh, switch between two different characters' perspectives, um, which is different to the majority of novels where you have one sustained main character perspective kind of throughout, whether or not it's written in first person or not. And I'm not usually a fan of dual point of view. I think I I like getting really deep in with one character usually. And I think um, quite often the dual point of view just feels like too much of a jarring break and makes me lose some of that sense of being immersed in the world whereas I actually felt that um this book did that quite well that both of the characters had their own unique point um standpoints on things they were talking about the same uh, events but with very different interpretations um and I think I warmed to both of them quite quickly so it, it was a, a really strong example of that style of writing 
um, which I think I found really impressive. Um, and the other thing I found really sweet was the fact that um, the shapeshifters um, in this book can basically send each other telepathic communication. So they basically have conversations without talking. And in particular, because the main character hasn't realized she's a shapeshifter, she can't yet control how she um, conceals or reveals what she's thinking in her head to other shapeshifters. And so basically um, the prince ends up just hearing her constant stream of thoughts, most of which at the beginning are very rude about him and his family and his kind. Um, and I just, I really like that. That put a smile on my face. Um, and I thought it was a really sweet aspect of the romance in this book. And I really enjoyed. Yes. Um, empathised with that. Everyone hearing the constant stream of thoughts because uh, that's how I go about my life. <laughs> <laughs> Only I guess I could shut my mouth. <laughs> Uh, cool. I'd love to know who your favourite character was. Can you tell we're following a script? <laughs> <laughs> no, never. I'll go first then. As if we planned for this. <laughs> yes, so I found this for, for the genre. I was expecting a larger cast. Um, and what we actually got was a relatively intimate cast. Um, which is yeah, created a really interesting dynamic, actually, where you you do get a little closer with characters that you might not necessarily have have been that close to, like because because there is just so few in the story. Um, a character that stood out to me, whose name I have of course completely forgotten is um Kaida's handmaid uh well slave let's let's be blunt about this uh because that's that's what the story is is about Kaida's the assigned slave in the um castle when she goes to live with the royal family um and I think she was an interesting uh character to be there because it showed a lot of the tension in turn, like the internal tension of, of Kaida, um, who she was, or like even who she is, because it's really, well, it's going to be really difficult to shake that um, identity. You can't just be whisked away from um, slavery and put on a princess dress and all be well, um, especially when you have someone who is in what your position was right there. So I think this character, who I'm so sorry, I've forgotten her name, um, presented as, as a really uh, powerful mirror for the main character, for, for Kaida. Um, and of course, it's just a, a really interesting character in her own, her own right. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, her name is Mira. Um, Mira, to... thank you. <laughs> That's right, I had Mia in my head, and I was like, it's something like that, but not quite, so it's Mira. Yes. Um, and I love actually there's um, Mira's story takes on a bit of a different dimension in the second half of the book than the first. Mm. And I thought that was really cleverly done as well. Um, yes, yeah. She's not a, a character that escapes development at all. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Who was your favourite character? 
I really struggle with this one, actually. I'm not quite sure why. Um, I think I liked a lot of the characters, um, but I personally felt like there were few characters who had real complexity to them. Um, that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy reading the book, but I I felt like this was a weaker aspect of this particular book. Um, however, I felt like one of the characters who did have um, some depth and some surprises up his sleeve was the king of the dragons, so King Martic. I felt like he was very well written and the way that he navigates the political scene and um, the relationships within his family were really interesting. He was quite a, a secretive character. He was quite a clever character and yet he came across as being neither of those things, being very, um, if I say straightforward thinking, very easily manipulated. Um, and so I found him quite a refreshing character from that perspective um that what you originally as a reader expected him to be doing and thinking wasn't necessarily what the outcome was in the end um I'm really sorry if that's a spoiler for anyone <laughs> yes um, yeah. I don't worry I upload these podcasts the book review podcasts with a note saying this is a review it's, it's gonna have spoilers so. <laughs> excellent <laughs> so yeah I think he was he was probably my favorite character in this book. Mm. Yeah, I can really see that. Um, I think particularly him as a point of point of conflict, um, especially in the beginning of the the book, um, and like sowing the seeds of of uh, distrust. I think were yeah great to look at. Um. Well, let's talk about the themes in this book then, because uh, there's there's one you know blindingly obvious one. <laughs> yeah, I think the standout theme is um, racial difference and interaction between different races, and particularly um, slavery as well comes into this really strongly. Um, Tyra at the beginning is a slave. Mira, as you pointed out, is a slave. Um, Kaida really struggles throughout the book with navigating what her identity is when she discovers she's not a human and is suddenly being catapulted from a position of slavery to a position of power and privilege and authority in the land. Um, and I thought it was a really, um, I mean, these are huge topics. They are, um, they're challenging they are steeped in history and um and experience and lived experience of people today as well as in the past um it touches on trauma and i do think that one of the strengths of this book was kind of very clearly had that um traumatic kind of uh experience and the way that she was navigating that and questioning everything and trying to work out where her loyalties lay and who she was um was a really strong aspect of the storytelling here um I do think it was quite a uh they were quite binaries um there weren't many examples of people um who were navigating those boundaries in different ways or of liaisons between um different classes um 
that led to people kind of being in the middle ground. Um, but I think that maybe was beyond the scope of this book in this case. Mm. And it's difficult to find a middle ground on slavery. I feel like the correct position is, you know, very against. And <laughs> yeah, anything other than that, you're sort of wrong. Um, yeah, so slavery is slavery and racial racial difference and racism are the main themes in that. And you touched on the classism as well, which is is built into to the race issues. The gentle way of putting that. <laughs> um, just trying to think if there are any other themes. I don't think so. I couldn't really think of any others either. This this was like the standout yeah. um, premise of the entire thing. And I think maybe the, the trilogy goes on to develop other themes. Um, I guess, um, well, A, when your main when your main uh, theme is as strong as it is, um, you can end up watering it down by adding other themes. Um, but there is there is themes of conflicted love and whether or not love is a choice, uh, and that that will come into play with any uh, YA that has a a, a romance, romance plot. To be honest, um, the main source of of tension in that is their significant cultural differences so um yeah. that's that is one theme that is explored uh romance between two people that are com from completely different cultural not only from completely different cultural backgrounds but one is from an oppressing class i think for me at least that leads me on to my least favorite aspects if you're ready to talk about least favorite aspects i'm ready when you are I think you kick this off because I know that with your editor hat on, you'll you'll be far more eloquent on this than I am, and I'm 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 keen to hear your thoughts. Ooh, I'll do my best. So, this book was not my cup of tea, but as you you will have heard from the beginning of our podcast, it was certainly many other people's cup of tea. So, when you listen to my my least favorite aspects, keep that in mind. I'm clearly in in a minority, at least on Goodreads and with the awarding bodies and all of that. So one of my least favorite aspects was, I didn't approach this novel with the most open mind, if I'm honest. I approached this novel and the first thing in my head was, this is a white person writing a slave narrative. And every, element of of this book was then held up to that scrutiny um it's not to say that white people can't write slave narratives i can't think of a single example but then there might be some out there that, that do it well um but for me personally i don't think this was was it i was a bit uncomfortable with this the speed of of change with the speed of um kaida accepting her position um and i was uncomfortable that we were to empathize with any of the ruling uh, the oppressing class of course you can't write a book like this without having to empathize with both sides and i think that is where the problem for me 
was. So yes, that is that is one of my least favorite aspects. And it's quite a big one. So I think um, that was my least favorite aspect as well. Um, and I think I regularly felt uncomfortable throughout the book for precisely that reason, especially the thing you picked up on was the speed at which Kaida changes perspective um, and suddenly becomes somebody who's trying to defend the people who've oppressed her and her mother, well, who killed her mother effectively, um, and, and her people. And that's, it felt like it, to me, I think it, it was a very white person narrative without a lot of historical or racial sensitivity to the actual horrors of slavery and the impact that has. Um, so I, for me, the, ironically, the main theme was the weakest aspect of the book, um, which I think was was a shame, really, because I think it there could have been interesting things that were pulled out here. And instead, it, it felt very much almost, if I say you can take that kind of West Side Story dynamic of like the two groups that are totally opposed to each other. The problem is, is that in this case, the groups were so drastically removed from one another in terms of their culture and background and privilege that it just didn't work mm. for me. Yeah, there's a there's a difference between two two rival gangs and a system of oppression <laughs> uh, which yeah. yes while it's an interesting premise does it make for a comfortable or believable story um and i would say not um on a less overall kind of damning least favorite just to this this segment out is um that I didn't feel that the writing was very polished um I found that there was a lot of repetition in the narrative just things that we'd, we'd already been told and then now we're being told it again and reliance on cliches um I think my example of that was we have Kaida in dragon form, looking in the reflection of a uh, pool and describing what she looked like, which I guess sort of works because it's the first time she saw, saw herself as a dragon. So I let that one slide, even though it's you know quite a big cliche. And then two or three pages later, Kaida in human form is looking at herself in a mirror describing what she looks like, um, which is the same cliche again. And that uh from like an editorial perspective it just feels like some unpolished writing i think there's more i could say on on writing structure and what i look for and what i um value uh but that might be a whole other podcast so we'll see i also think that that's something where you know most of us come with our reader hats on and we aren't trained to read editorially um, and where I think you have a really interesting approach on reading and on narrative and why things do work or don't work. For example, that cliche, I had not picked up on that at all. 
Um, so I think, yeah, having having an episode where we sort of talk about what it's like as an editor to read and what you're looking for and what you're not, I would certainly, as an author, find fascinating. I'm sure many other readers would, would be really interest, interested to hear like that perspective on reading as well, because it's not one that most of us see. Um, and I think um, I just want to reiterate this point, you know, we've we've had a fairly lengthy discussion about some of the things that maybe we weren't such a fan of. Um, I do think for full disclosure, we should just acknowledge, as you can probably tell, um, that we are both white. Um, and so we are very much, you know, coming at this as a white person, talking about another white person who's trying to look at issues of race. Um, and, you know, ultimately it's it's not our voices that that matter on on these discussions. And we're coming from a particular context on that. And I also want to say um, that, you know, while acknowledging we think this is a very serious issue in this particular case, um, that many other readers and have really enjoyed this book and awarding bodies have enjoyed this book and so do take everything we're saying as um, one one point of view on this. Um, and yeah, that there are many there are many other really good things about this book um, and I'm sure about the rest of the series as well. This just happens to be one of the things we picked up on. Um, so I think from that, leads quite nicely on I want to do a shout out to Emily Schneider um I have definitely been inspired by her on Instagram go have a look up of her there she's the author of the Ash and Smoke trilogy um she originally trained as a musician interestingly enough um, but loved writing so much that she followed her passion to write and she's currently writing her first rom-com called The Heart Shot um you'll be able to find the link to her website um in the podcast notes for this episode that's amazing. Yes, definitely. If you're interested in the book, uh, check out her Instagram. Um, it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, and I also just want to highlight, you know, we mentioned that um, Emily, or this book won the Best Indie Book Award for fantasy in the fantasy genre. Um, so we also just want to give a shout out to all the book awards um, and specifically to indie book awards that are out there because um, they do a fantastic job of promoting the indie book industry. Um, and also the in the Best Indie Book Award is currently open to submissions for the 2023 awards. So if that is something you are interested in, um, particularly maybe if you're a writer yourself or an indie press, go and take a look at that. Um, I think you have 169 days or so to get your submissions in, so plenty of time. <laughs> um, and again, the link will be through in the podcast notes. Great. Um... Now, if you would like to join the conversation, there is another link for you down in the show notes. Uh, we have a, a Goodreads group, and you can go there and join the forum and uh, say what you thought of this book if you've read it, um, and see what other people thought of it. And it will just be a really nice place to to build community. Yeah, we'd honestly love to hear your thoughts. It's wonderful finding other bookish people who love uh reading as much as we do and who have thoughts on various different things so please do share and we'll all be enriched by listening to each other's experiences so just to end off um we'll give you a little update quick update on asteria press amy has done the monumental task of finishing the developmental editing report it looks beautiful i loved reading it it was the most uplifting 
criticism I've ever, ever heard. <laughs> well, it wasn't criticism, it was a critique. There's a, there's a subtle difference. Um, and I'm now uh, loving being back, working with Dragon Outlaw again, uh, writing on my novel. I'm currently taking Amy's, I think, I think it's fair to say that the core um, thing to take away was that the plot needs tightening and needs quite a bit of work. So I'm currently in Excel writing chapter breakdowns, murder mystery timelines, suspect colour-coded lists. It's all very exciting. <laughs> and I'm also starting to research into cover design as well. Cover design. It's a whole exciting realm of um, creating something to people for people to judge you by. <laughs> that is going to be the title on the cover design podcast episode. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> um, the other thing we've got going is uh, Holly has designed some gorgeous bookmarks and that is to take to London Book Fair so if you're at London Book Fair we will be there milling about um so come and get a free bookmark because we have them and they can be yours Woo. um and they will also be available for sale um on the Holly Muller Creative um website coming out I think in about two three weeks um third yeah. of April so you'll be able Thanks to buy one if prefer. um and we'll be back in a fortnight. Um, in fact, to talk all about the developmental editing stage. So our next episode will be called Insights into the Publishing Process, the Developmental Stage. So we'll be talking all about what it means to start getting a book ready for publication once you've once an author has submitted their manuscript, what happens in the developmental stages. In the meantime, Holly, where can where can they find us on Facebook? Oh, you can find us on Facebook at Asteria Press. Uh, on Twitter, we're at Press Asteria. Or Instagram, at Asteria Press. Or Mastodon at Asteria Press at bookstodon.com. We're very simple. It's, it should be easy to find. Apart <laughs> <laughs> from that Twitter one, where you, where you go for Press Asteria. Well, thank you so much, guys, for listening. We hope you've really enjoyed today's episode of the Indie Bookshelf podcast, all about scales of ash and smoke. And we really look forward to seeing you in a fortnight's time. Keep reading. Keep reading. <laughs>